I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to ShamelessSex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, Use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shameless Sex Podcast. If you are listening on the day this is released, it's Halloween. Spooky time. It's Halloween. If you're also listening on on this uh, day of Halloween, we uh, are not here. We are on an airplane going to Costa Rica for our first retreat, our sold out retreat. for Shameless sex retreat. Yes, for vulva owning folks, for women. And we're very excited. And just stay tuned. We won't talk too much about this, but we are planning our next retreat for late. April, which will be in Tulum. So stay tuned. We will share more later on. Oh, it's so nice. And also, we um, I just want to say this. We forgot to tell people uh, for the scholarship. Uh, we chose someone for the scholarship spot for this retreat that we're doing in Costa Rica right now as we speak. Uh, and we did not notify the people that applied uh, that you that sorry, we chose someone else. Um, so we're sorry for not reaching out, but we love you and thank you for applying and please apply again because we'll do that again next time around. We have like 12 jobs right now. So I know. We're going it's, crazy. It's understandable. Speaking of crazy, we're doing something really really crazy oh, everyone something really fun we are going to be topless that's right shameless sex is doing a shameless sex topless and tapas book reading event for a book launch in san francisco we are reading our book topless that's right maybe not so much nipple but it'll be topless don't worry it is wednesday november 15th 6 to 8 p.m that's hump day everyone it's a special day and we will be at monarch in san francisco is a beautiful beautiful venue kind of like steampunk meets like awesome it's modern gorgeous Yes, I and, love it. And so this event will have a signature cocktail, a shameless sex signature cocktail that April's putting together on her, her end in mm. terms of the design, tapas, and yep, a topless book reading by yours truly. Tickets are limited. I think we're only selling 25 tickets. So if you want to come, please go and sign up ASAP to buy your ticket and reserve your spot. The link is in the description of this episode and on shamelesssex.com. It's going to be so fun. Yes, yeah, it's gonna be so fun. And do we mention that we're going to be topless? <laughs> topless and tapas. Uh huh. You don't you want to hear us read from Shameless Sex shamelessly topless? I come think on. it's just fun. Yeah, no, it's gonna be awesome. And come celebrate with us. We're super excited. Our book will finally be out. And if you have not purchased our book already, we're talking about the hardcover, y'all. The, the hard, hard cover. cover. Please purchase our book. You can do pre sales and you get a free workshop from us. All you do is email us the receipt. If you do that, and we'll give you a workshop. Uh, it's the book that we wish we had when we were 18, 28, 38, and we will want our. 40s and 50s and beyond and we would love for you to support us and buy our book and share the shameless revolution and you will learn a lot you will laugh with us and it has really unique things that are not on our podcast so if you love us please go and buy our book now and if you if you buy it we'll sign it for you in person also we're doing an instagram competition which ends on november 13th so if you buy a copy or two copies you get something but if you buy three plus copies you get entered to win a thousand dollars of free stuff and we are it's like a thousand dollars of like cozy earth sheets yeah. there's like dipsy omgs there's oh, it's stuff. so there's so many over a thousand bucks so if you buy six copies of the book give it away for christmas you get six entries if you buy 20 you get 20 entries
countries. So check it out, Shameless Sex Podcast, uh, our Instagram handle. Go do it, meow. Only the hardcover. Only the hardcover. Yeah, or if you get the Audible too, that's cool. You do both. But the contest is only... Yeah. Those that buy oh, I know. You get both, but the contest, yes, hardcover. Hardcover, yes. hardcover. All right. You ready for a sex question? Yeah. Okay, here we go. I had a STI scare and totally thought I contracted herpes from my partner, but it was just a weird rash from shaving. Now I'm a little scared to have unprotected sex with her, but I don't want to use condoms all the time. Are there other ways to protect myself against contracting herpes? First of all, condoms won't really uh, help because it, that's it's, not, skin, that's, it's skin to skin. No, no, no. Herpes can be contracted skin to skin. Honda is not, I wouldn't say won't. It's that it's not guaranteed that they will help. But if you're, if you have herpes, so if your partner has herpes on a spot where your flesh does not touch the spot, then you won't get herpes from them. But if they have herpes on their mouth, you can get herpes. You, you can get herpes from their mouth. They have herpes on their mouth. Yes. But so, so condoms can be effective with herpes. It's not that they're not effective. They totally can be. It's just not a perfect science with it. But a lot of times folks can have them in places where you don't even know that it's warm, dark spots. So <laughs> sometimes you, you can contract it without even knowing. In condoms, they will minimize risk, but yeah. nothing can protect you 100%. Nothing's against 100%. Getting yes. STI, any STI. So, but condoms are better than nothing. Except if abstinence. You want, except abstinence. Yeah, condoms are better than nothing if you want to be preventative but uh, just as is like april said anything other than abstinence it's there's no perfect science that will keep you perfectly safe but it's a great question you want to you want to protect yourself and still have unprotected sex without condoms so my question here and april and i both I, so i have herpes on my I have oral cold sores on my lips and april has hsv1 but generally so it came from someone's mouth oh yeah she got the mouth on her on her vagine and so we know a lot about this from personal experience and also from being sex educators so my question would be for your partner would be how often are they getting outbreaks when the last time they had an outbreak how do they know when they have an outbreak like like do are they aware of their body where they feel like a tingling or an itching and they know to take antivirals right away? Like what's their protocol? Do they even have a prescription antivirals? You know, if someone is brand new in the herpes game, they might not really know how to manage it well. And so they might not be able to tell when they're like about to have an outbreak. And you can actually get it like a little bit right before that, too, because there's like such a thing as shedding. But if they have it really under control and know how to tend to their body and listen to their body, that minimizes risk as well of you contracting herpes. I've made out with plenty of people having uh, oral cold sores, not while it's on my lip. But I mean, mm. plenty of people never that I know of given it to them. It's just if I feel a tingling or anything, I don't make out with anyone. and I take antivirals and I also do a high lysine diet right away. And then once it goes away, then I'm it's a it's a free for all. And I think, April, you have a similar practice for yourself, right? Yeah. I've been with a lot of long term partners and not not a one has contracted it. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, to, you have to be mindful of your body and your lymph nodes will definitely get swollen. Um, you just have to pay attention to your body. Sometimes you might not know. You get a fever a lot of times. And I don't know if it's the same with like HSV one on orally, but um, you do, your body just doesn't feel good. I don't get a fever, but I just feel like kind of sickly. I don't feel good. My body's fighting something. Right. So you feels, feel like you're getting sick. Yeah, exactly. And then you're like, what? And then you kind of get really low energy and sleepy. So yeah. if you know your body and it does happen from running your immune system down. So that's um, another way that you can, because when your immunity can't fight the virus, then it can show up. Yeah, and then, you know, so if you say if your partner has, uh, they get this reoccurring herpes like on one part of their body, you know, you could try to have sex in certain ways where you're not touching that part of the body, but like who knows where that part of the body is and could you really do that? Or, you know, if you use condoms, that could be helpful. But here's the thing, 
it can move. I had it on my lip. And then like two years later, it moved onto my chin. So this is possible. A lot of people just get it in like a same or similar spot. And sometimes it can relocate um, on its own. So, but it's not a, not a death sentence. It's not the end of the world. It's in the same family as chicken pox and shingles. And it's really common. And a lot of people go, oh, shame. I won't have sex with someone who has herpes. And But I'll make out with someone who has cold sores because that still feels more normal or something. But it's really common. You can still be a sexually active person. And there's a lot of really great medication and knowledge about how to manage that uh, nowadays. So... Yeah, have a conversation with your partner about it, like about asking them those questions. And then you can navigate from that space, depending on how you're feeling about their awareness around their their body. But don't shame them, of course, like, you know, letting them know that you just want them to be on the same page. But, you you know, you still care about them or still want to have sex with them. You you just want to have more awareness about how they're managing their STI status. We talked to Danielle Bezalel. Yes. Sex Ed with DB. We were on her show, and then we she was on our show. Yeah, she was on. I don't know if ours has even been released on our show yet. Has it? I don't. I don't know, but yeah, it will be yeah. out at some point. Yeah, but we talked all about STIs with her, and that was yeah, episode three thirty two. Yep, episode three thirty two in our podcast, which leads us to Ooh. a trailer, a oh, teaser. It's here. It's here because uh, we are doing some uh, t- some teaser swaps with D- uh, Danielle Sex Ed with DB because we absolutely love her and believe in her work. She's so awesome, and she doesn't just teach and talk about STIs. She's just a phenomenal sex educator, um, knows her stuff, and is also quite entertaining. So we are going to talk. Yeah. Or her TikTok is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Her TikTok's huge. So go check her out there. But listen to this little teaser about her show and then maybe go follow, subscribe, etc. on her show. Ready, set, go. Take a second and think back to the sex education you had in school. Did it prepare you to have a healthy and happy relationship with sex and identity? If it was anything like mine, it was stigmatizing, judgmental, and totally unhelpful. But not to worry. The experts are here to offer the sex ed we wish we had. Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. We're a feminist podcast and multimedia platform bringing you all the sex ed you never got through unique and entertaining storytelling, centering LGBTQ and BIPOC experts. We cover an array of sex education topics like abortion, period management, sex and disability, pleasure, reproductive justice, healthy relationships, BDSM, birth control, sex in the media, and so much more. We believe that everyone deserves comprehensive, inclusive, pleasure-centered, medically accurate sex education. Follow along with us as we revolutionize the way we talk about sex and tune into Sex Ed with DB wherever you get your podcasts. All right, that was Danielle Bezalel, the wonderful, the amazing Sex Ed with DB. She's awesome. Go check it out or go listen to episode 332 on our show. And actually for the sex question, definitely go listen oh, to the episode because sure. we talk all about that on that episode as well. And also the episode with Remy Paye. Oh, yeah, 120. 120. I remember that because it's in our book. That, yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was another one that was, that's really helpful to listen to back in the day. Yes. All right, you ready for the bio? I'm ready for the bio, but did everyone know that we are going to be doing Topless and Tapas in San Francisco <laughs> on the 15th? No? Okay, go to our website and find out more. There's, okay, That's yeah, less than a month away. I know. Hurry up. Get your tickets. All right. So Tristan Terramino is a writer, speaker, sex educator, and host of the podcast Sex Out Loud, a former syndicated columnist for The Village Voice, she is the author of numerous books, including Opening Up, A Guide to Creating and Sustaining Open Relationships, Down and Dirty Sex Secrets, The Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women, and her recent memoir, A Part of the Heart Can't Be Eaten. Terramino has won four literary awards and eight feminist porn awards, among others. To learn more, go to TristanTerramino.com. 
All right, everyone, it is interview time, and this is a very exciting podcast because we have Tristan Tormino here, and Tristan has been someone that both April and I have really looked up to for many years. Uh, back in 2008, when uh, my mom and I opened up Pure Pleasure, the brick and mortar, which is now purepleasureshop.com online, we sold a number of Tristan's uh, products, a couple of her books. Uh, she's written many books. We can't even list all of them on here. Um, as well as her uh, line of DVDs that we'll talk about here uh, here too, which we would all often reference to people who came in looking for like, you know, porn or something hot to watch with their partner. And instead of saying, like, here's a storyline, why not watch instructional porn that was really tastefully done by a female director? And anyway, so we'll talk more about all that. But we're super excited to have Tristan here. And Tristan wrote a memoir, A Part of the Heart Can't Be Eaten. And uh, we'll learn more about that as well as many other aspects of um, Tristan's work and journey in the human sexual sexuality world, both personal and professional. So Tristan, we, we're going to kind of be, because we're talking a lot about your story, we usually start with like, tell us how you got into the field of sexuality, which is like, well, that's, we're, we will be talking about that, everyone. But let's start with a simpler question, Tristan. Um, so what do you think is the most, the biggest influencer in inspiring you to enter the field of sexuality? Like what really stood out to you? Mm, yeah. Okay. That's a great question. So I did have someone who kind of changed the course of my life. I mean, there's a set of people out there who I feel like kind of paved the way for sex positive feminists and for sex positive educators, you know, and those are like the folks like Susie Bright, Debbie Sundell, Nan Kinney, um, who all started on our backs and also fatal video Carol Queen, I mean, Betty Dodson, you know, everything ev everyone does all originates with Betty Dodson, mm -hmm. <laughs> I believe. But then I also had this amazing professor in college who, you know, I thought that I was going to go to law school and be, uh, you know, a public defender for the people. And I had written a lot about sex in my undergraduate thesis, and she encouraged me to write about sex. She said, you're really good at it. And it was like one of those moments where someone sees something in you that you don't even know is possible or that at that point I even thought was an actual job. <laughs> um, and so her name's Claire Potter and we're still in touch. You know, it's, it's an example of, of a teacher really um, being an incredible mentor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Amy kind of did that for me, where I had no idea that this would be the world. I also wanted to be a lawyer. I, I have a pre-law degree. I was studying to take the LSATs and met Amy when we were waitresses. And then she was like opening the sex shop with her mom. And yeah, it changed my life. It's just sometimes the work finds you. People see something in you that you had no idea. I, I was like, are you? I'm like, are you sure? Like, I don't even own a vibrator, Amy. Like, I don't even talk about sex. Like, yeah, you'd be good. More is less teacher, more like you'd be great at this, which is true. <laughs> I really saw in her like here's a vibrator you should work in a sex shop you're yeah. great at this I'm like yeah. I don't even the only time I enter retail at that point was to shop I was like I <laughs> I didn't even know retail so I, I love that story because yeah someone saw something in you that now the world gets to be inspired by and obviously you have so many books and this particular book is a memoir I can't imagine I know even writing books that aren't based on your personal experiences solely that it still can be therapeutic so I'm I'm wondering not only what inspired you to write your memoir, but what was it like writing it? You know, I mean, I felt ultimately inspired to tell the story of 
my dad and I, you know, that's a, that's a critical piece and thread that runs throughout um, my memoir. And probably he, he died of AIDS in 1995. And probably a year later, I was like, I want to write this story. And then I found convenient ways to not write it by writing other books. So, you know, I felt like it was kind of like hanging in the room over me at all times. And then I finally said, it's time. And I think I did need this much space and time away, you know, f- the distance between the events and now. And this book ends when I'm about 31. I'm 52 now. So I've had two decades to reflect on, you know, all the adventures. And so I I wrote a draft. It was pretty rough. <laughs> but then COVID came. And we all had a lot of time on our hands. You know, I I have been super busy, I feel like, since I was in first grade. Um, but <laughs> the- <laughs> That's I do. I mean, it's I, yeah. So like just imagine me, you know, in first grade. I'm I'm literally the same person. Um, <laughs> in fact, I was directing plays on the playground. So I was the director even then on the playground. Oh, then you heard the the play director turn porn director. That's awesome. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Those are the you early- go over here on the monkey bars. <laughs> exactly. You right there, go on the slide and go. Yeah. And you know, guess what? They all listen to me. <laughs> You're good at what you do. <laughs> oh, so I've awesome. been bossing people around for a really, really long time. So COVID came and I was like, okay, now I'm really, really, really going to dig into this. And I started reading my father's memoir. So my father wrote a memoir, which he never published and which I hadn't read all the way through. And that was an amazing experience and also painful and sometimes really surprising. And it just, it inspired me that I I not only want to tell my story, I want to tell his story too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to like full, full admission here. I haven't actually sat and read the entire book, but I was like, so I have a hard time reading things on PDF. Like I can read like, I have a short attention span with that. Um, So, but I was like looking over and I like how it's these, these like short storytelling chapters you know, in order of, of your life. And it has photos and everything too. And I'm going to sit down with it when I have, I ordered the printed copy because that's like what I can really get into. So I'm super excited about that. But I I, I love that the way that it's written from what I already saw. And so I, I'm, I'm curious if you can tell us a little more, we'll start with your personal journey before like the professional one. So tell us a little more about your personal sexual journey. So what are some key experiences that helped you to shape who you are today as a sexual being that really stand out to you? Yeah. You know, people ask me this question all the time, like, how did you become you? And they think I grew up like some in some progressive commune or that I was raised by sex positive parents. Uh, None of those things are true. I actually, you know, I grew up in a suburb of New York City and I went to public school and I got no sex education whatsoever. I had one class in sixth grade where they separated the boys from the girls And we were shown a film strip. So that is like what? That's like uh, 1979, 1980, in the 80s. And, you know, the film strip was like this, you know, really kind of like dry, boring, you know, scary. Like this is what happens if you have sex and you get an STI. And, And I usually can retain like a lot of information, but I left there with one phrase and that was, fallopian tubes. Uh And I thought later, 
well, maybe this will come in handy, uh, but it, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's my that safe part, actually. And I only actually have one fallopian tube now because they took one. So, I mean, I could read the consent form. So for me, um, one thing that my mom did, though, was she had sex books. She had a pretty extensive library of books and she had sex books. My mom raised me and basically I could take the sex book off the shelf and like squirrel it away in my room. And she just wouldn't say anything about the missing books. So the first sex ed book I saw and the first images, explicit images of people having sex um, was The Joy of Sex by Alex Mm -hmm. Comfort, Mm -hmm. which is like, you know, such a classic from the 70s. And it shaped me in that truthfully, my overall takeaway message was wow, sex looks really fun. You know what I mean? They're like really relaxed and they're, it's all these drawings. They're really relaxed and they're connected. And, you know, the men have long hair and the women have full bushes and they seem like they're having a blast. They're probably also stoned. I mean, I, <laughs> I, didn't, take, I didn't take that into account, but um, but it was it was a certain era. So, I mean, I saw pretty positive images. You know, I know that people see, and at this point, this generation sees like hardcore porn, you know, at they one keystroke and they can go there. And sometimes they have to sort of step back and go, whoa, 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 wait, is that sex? Um So I saw sex that was pretty fun. And then I also was obsessed with this TV show, Solid Gold, which was, it was on once a week. It was in prime time. And it was like the sexiest, dirtiest thing you could watch in prime time, where basically all the dancers wore like super skin tight outfits. And they would do these routines to like the top 10 songs of the week, but they would like grind against each other and they would like shake their asses at the camera and like all the men wore dance belts so their dicks were really prominent and I was a little bit like whoa I mean (laughs) it was it was sexy and I you know I I actually wanted to be a solid gold dancer when I grew up I used to tell people that because I was like that seems where it's all happening (laughs) And then I would say, you know, I was just very sexually curious and precocious, like as a tween and as a teenager, I just kind of followed my libido, basically, you know, I I hooked up with girls, I hooked up with boys, and I sort of, I was kind of unapologetic then. I don't know how the sort of deep ingrained shame in you know, the culture in the United States about sex, like bypassed me, but it it did. And I just kind of like went for what I want. And I didn't really have like a tape in my head being like, you know, you're a slut. Other people could say you're a slut, but I didn't have that internal dialogue. And then when I got to college, I was still fucking around, like very slutty. And then um, I came out as queer I had like a first girlfriend, which I would call a a starter girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my God. She's probably be like, yeah, thanks, Tristan. But <laughs> the thing thought. is, like, just to be fair, she was like a lot of people's first girlfriend. Like she was like one of those where oh. it's very unassuming and people would be like, I'm not, I'm not a lesbian. I'm not gay. I'm not. Well, hello. <laughs> um, so she did that for a lot of people. She was, you know, a recruiting agent. <laughs> and then um, I had my very first serious girlfriend um, who's named Jen in the book. And there's a couple chapters about her. And so 
the the term I've sort of coined to describe Jen and then like future lovers after that is a breakthrough lover. And that is someone that you meet who introduces you to new things sexually. Uh, you may do stuff for the first time with them and they create space for you to kind of explore your sexuality in a way that you never have before. And essentially, once that happens, you're forever changed. And so for me, you know, Jen, Jen was that person. I mean, Jen made me queer. Jen made me poly. Jen made me kinky. And Jen was the first person to fuck me in the ass. And we know how that turned out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get to that part a little later. Don't worry, everyone. Yeah. I have a question about that one. <laughs> so, I, you know, I really feel like I had this amazing person who it was sort of like she showed me this giant menu, like a menu from the diner. And you're like, could there really be all these things back there? Can they really make like eggs and like fettuccine Alfredo? Okay. <laughs> and everything on the menu was um, was valued in the same way. And nothing was taboo and nothing was off limits and nothing was weird. Um, it was just like, order from the menu today. What are we doing? Oh, spanking. Great. How old were you at this point? Uh, I was 19. Oh, you were 19. Okay. Nice. Yeah. That's yeah. a good entry, like a good gatekeeper. That was, yeah, I mean, I had, key. I mean, I'd had sex with people and, and mostly uh, cis men up until that point, but she sort of like revolutionized my entire sex life. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you, Jen. Yeah. Way to and go. starter girlfriend and, and starter, starter girlfriend. girlfriend. Okay. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. So, and you mentioned well, several things I want to say. First of all, the solid gold piece. Amazing. I cannot wait to check that out after where I'm going to YouTube some things oh, after you this. Are. You and are I'm hoping there's some kind of coffee table book I can purchase, which there is, isn't. Of, it's oh. hard. To, it's actually hard to find, you know, because, because of when it took place, but there are some YouTube clips I'm and hundred percent check that out. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, I love it. Be ready um, for underwear with suspenders over yeah. spandex. Oh, yes. I, like I just, warmers. Yeah, I can't wait. I love that kind of stuff. I'm picturing hopefully someone on roller skates, but um, <laughs> maybe that's just in my head. Time for a quick break so we can tell you about our carefully chosen sponsors. Please stay tuned and buy their products because we only tell you about what we love and what we truly believe in. And it helps keep this podcast free to you. So obviously you talked a little bit about your mentor that was the person that really initiated you coming into the the human sexuality field. So let's talk a little bit about this professional journey that you've been on within your work. Uh, can you talk about some of the key experiences that really shaped the career, the amazing career that you have? You know, I feel both lucky and that I've worked really hard to get here because when I graduated college in 1993, I basically started writing about sex and calling it erotic fiction, but it was essentially all true stories, <laughs> just like a few details changed. And, you know, and at some point I thought, I, I really want to write in my own voice. You know, I, I, I do. And I had been editing this collection, Best Lesbian Erotica for Cleus Press. And Cleus was this like independent, queer, feminist press. And they put out a call to all their people who they worked with already saying, we want to start a new series of sex books. But instead of being like tomes or, or encyclopedias, we want people to focus just on one topic alone. 
going to be this one topic books. And so if you could write about any topic, what would it be? And I knew right away what it would be because it was a book that didn't exist, one that I wanted to have on my own shelf. And there just hadn't been anything written about this from a woman's point of view. And so I wrote up this proposal for The Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women. I sent it off by email. And then I thought to myself, are you insane? (laughs) Like they probably were like going to start with something like oral sex or (laughs) maybe like sex toys or, you know, just like kind of like ease into it. Right. And I come, you know, like a bat out of hell with anal sex. And then shockingly, they were like, yeah, we want to do this. And it's going to be the first one. And actually the ultimate guide sex series is still continues to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Dr. Jess and, and Marla Stewart wrote the ultimate guide to seduction and foreplay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's still it's still going strong all these years later. Um, and it started in 1998 with the ultimate guide to anal sex for women. So it was my first opportunity, like I said, to write in my own voice and then also to to do research, right? Like, what do I know about anorectal anatomy? Well, I've got to go figure that out and and share like the knowledge that that mostly I had gotten from gay men who did a lot of like community-based workshops, especially because, you know, the HIV AIDS crisis was still in full swing in the 90s. And then once the book came out, I had to find a way to promote it. Right. And it wasn't going to be like a traditional like bookstore reading, you know, you know, like I'm on the road right now and I'm doing bookstore readings where, you know, they put a little poster in the window and they say, we welcome Tristan Terramino reading her memoir. And no one was going to do that with my anal sex book. Like no one was like this evening, there'll be a thoughtful <laughs> conversation and Q&A with author Tristan Terramino <laughs> talking about anal sex. And, and I mean, not even in New York City would they do that. They were like, oh, oh no, no, no. And Amazon was in its infancy. People didn't know if Amazon was going to take off. Obviously, it's taken over the world. So we know that happened. And so I had to figure out like creative ways to promote it. And that's when I created this class I thought, oh, I'm going to create this class, this workshop, and it's going to be, you know, I'm going to take material from the book. And maybe some of the people who show up to the workshop will also want to buy the book. So that's how I began teaching. And, you know, I taught my very first class at at Babeland, which was then called Toys in Babeland uh, on the Lower East Side, the Rivington location. Uh, there were there were 10 people there on folding chairs in the tiniest, I mean, we had the tiniest, tiniest space. Only one of them was my friend who I like begged to come in case, you know, no one else came, but everyone else came and they actually like, paid to be there. And I got up from the room and I was like, hey, we're going to talk about anal sex. And then time just flew by and I thought, oh, this is like the light bulb moment. Like this is what I was meant to do. I was just meant to get up in front of a room full of strangers talk really honestly and openly about sex, answer their questions, share my experiences, share my knowledge. Yeah, this is uh this is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. 
that store is still there and it's still really small and it's ba- Babeland now, but it, <laughs> yes, I, that's awesome. I there. love that store. Yes. It's such, it's such a, it's a staple with it. It's an icon. Yeah. It's iconic. Yeah, it's iconic. Icon. It's just, yeah. I love that story. That's incredible story. I love it. You, yeah. You're such a pioneer. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. And uh, we'll get more to the anal piece in a little bit. Everyone, I know you have questions about that. Um, okay. So I'm coming back to um, the DVD part. So I, I told you that we've been expert or not expert fans of your expert guide to DVDs. Um, I love his expert guides and then the ultimate guides are the are the books. And like I said earlier, we just really loved that it was the, it was like the two two stop shop, two birds, one stone. I don't know. That's kind of creepy because you're killing things. But like you get everything in one, right? Like, do I want to be aroused? And I also get to learn something. The one human band. One human band. Exactly. You play two, all the two girls, one cup. OK, oh, sorry. No, no. <laughs> you really went there. You really, really I went had there. To say it. Oh, my God. It. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I thank God. I'm I have not it. either. And that's yeah. all these people like you should watch it. Like, yeah, that's no, hard. No. no one Google so, that right now. No, no one Google that. No, someone's but not mine so anyway so yeah I, but I, I love that and 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 our the people that would buy it they would love that too like they get to learn so much and they're aroused because it's super hot and also it is done by you know by you by a, a feminist female director so let's talk about porn and sex here um mm. so first how did you become known as the trailblazing feminist pornographer Ooh, love it <laughs> Ooh, i mean they gave me an award for that and i'm looking at it right now so it does say the trailblazer <laughs> so, oh perfect <laughs> i I guess that's what people think. You know, I this this all stems again from from that first book. I wanted to make a movie version of my first book and I wanted it to be instructional and educational, but I also wanted it to be really really hot. And I didn't just want to kind of make something that all my friends would watch or, you know, the the sort of particular kind of like queer kinky set. I I wanted to make it for the masses. Like I really wanted to educate everyone. And so I made this first movie, also called The Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women, um, with a company called Evil Angel, uh, which is headed by John Stagliano. And he was known as the sort of father of gonzo porn. And gonzo porn is porn that doesn't have high production values or a storyline. Basically, it's kind of, you know, it's 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 kind of like documentary style porn and also sometimes the person behind the camera is um is a character or the camera is definitely acknowledged and people speak directly to the camera. And so that was my favorite genre of porn at that point and I was like let me combine that with sex ed and there were some models for sex ed videos. Um Nina Hartley had her own line of sex education videos for Adam and Eve. And there had been some sex education videos made by Fatal Video, which was, um, again, like the video arm of On Our Backs. And so I had I had some kind of models. And I was like, I want to combine that with like just super, super hot anal sex. And I got this opportunity to work with John, which was unbelievable. I mean, I, I basically say it's like you never went to film school. You never picked up a camera. And then Steven Spielberg is like, hey, why don't I fund and <laughs> shoot your first movie? And you're like, uh, yeah. OK. <laughs> and and so I really meant to make just one video. Now, I made a, a sequel because porn loves a sequel. <laughs> and then I, you know, went about my business of, you know, I was writing for The Village Voice and I was teaching these workshops. Now I had expanded beyond anal sex. I wrote additional books. And then in 2005, I came back to porn really 
wanting to make it more central to my career. And that was for a couple of reasons. I mean, one was that there still weren't enough women in positions of power. There weren't enough women producers, directors, you know, in the case of scripted things, writers, Candida Royale, who is the OG pioneering feminist uh, pornographer, she had laid out this whole groundwork for what she called porn from a woman's point of view. And some of the main studios tried to kind of like copy it and knock it off. Um, but of course, they didn't do it well at all. They missed they they missed her touch and her touch was very important. And so I felt like, okay, so there was Candida and then like she paved the way for some female directors, most of whom were originally performers, but there's still not enough. Like there's still not enough. And someone's got to shake things up, quite frankly. Someone has to shake things up because we can't just have this like, sort of steady diet of the same old porn that's predictable and formulaic and really centers men's pleasure and men's orgasms um, and men's cum, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. Um, we got to, we, yeah, we really have to like change this and intervene. And so I was super lucky that I, I made a film for Adam and Eve and then Vivid Entertainment offered me this um, exclusive directing gig where I did a sex ed series, The Expert Guide. And I also did my own Gonzo series called Chemistry. Oh, I remember chemistry. Yes. We saw that yeah. too. We yes. had that up your pleasure yeah. as well. Yes. yes. Chemistry is a classic. It still holds up. So, you know, Steve Hirsch, who was the head of Vivid, really gave me like the ultimate freedom to do what I wanted and to experiment and to do things that hadn't been done before. And I, well, I loved it, first of all. You know, if people, if pornographers tell you that, that like, it it doesn't matter that people are having sex in front of them. Like that's not a perk of the job. They're lying or they're so <laughs> jaded. I like that they should retire because <laughs> watching people have sex in front of you and like collaborating on what it's going to look like and what's going to happen. It, it's super hot. There mm -hmm. are at least several instances when I can recall wrapping up a scene and having to just like take a moment <laughs> not like take a moment like masturbate in the in the bathroom because i'm the director like i'm running the the set you know but be like wow that really turned me on like mm -hmm. in real time that turned me on and so and i loved collaborating with performers i loved creating this kind of new genre of sex ed um at the time, we really took advantage of the DVD format. And we had, if you remember, pop-up video on VH1 where little bubbles would come up and like tell you facts about during a during a music video, tell you facts about the singer or the song or or shooting the video. We had little pop-ups come up, which were like tips and techniques. And but um, you choose two options. One was without it, one was yes, with it. And, yes, well, that's I the thing that, is yeah. you could watch it with the sex ed narration and um and all the sort of examples, and then or you could turn it off and watch it just as a sex scene from beginning to end. So that was groundbreaking at the time. Um, and people really loved it. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, pop up video. That's how it went. <laughs> I, I loved that pop up yeah. video. I well, the VH1 version. I haven't seen yeah. the, the one. The pop up video. Yeah. No, you've yes. seen it. No, you've because we used so part of the homework at Pure Pleasure back in the day would be the, the employees don't have to watch the DVDs. You're encouraged to. You're encouraged to. And so we had well, you know you could like rent them. Basically, you just take it home and borrow it and write your name. And mm-hmm. so we would go and we we would have like little porn parties where April and I'd be like watching porn with friends around who our friends were like this is weird. But you know for us it was normal. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen them. Yeah. Time for a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors who just so happens to be our absolute favorite lube, UberLube. UberLube is a luxurious silicone lubricant and it enhances intimacy. It's there when you want it and it blends in when you're done with it. So you have control over that lube. It's long lasting and leaves the skin extra velvety. And honestly, all I want it all over my body. Thousands of doctors in the U.S. are recommending UberLube to their patients. It's body-friendly, less likely to change the pH, and it has vitamin E, so it feels extra moisturizing. There's a reason why we've been a fan of UberLube for years. There's no flavor or scent. It's even great for oral sex, everyone. But it's not just great for sex. You can use it for massage, your hair. You can prevent chafing. It even brings out the colors of your beautiful tattoos. And the bottle is absolutely gorgeous. It looks more like a cosmetic, so you can leave it anywhere shamelessly for easy access. Just go to uberlube.com and use the discount code SHAMELESS10 to get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com right now with code SHAMELESS10 for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast is also brought to you by OMGS.com. Join over 1 million people who are experiencing more pleasure with OMGS. They take scientific research of thousands of vulva owners showing techniques to pleasure that pussy. They turn this research into tasteful, educational short videos, animated modules, and infographics. OMGS is for anyone who wants to learn about vulva pleasure or take it to the next level. Want to take your orgasms from good to out of this world? Then check out OMGS. Or if you're a vulva lover and want to up your pussy pleasuring skills, then you need to check out OMGS. I've personally been recommending OMGS to my clients for years, and it's completely changed their lives. They have three seasons, external pleasure, internal pleasure, and sex toys. It's not a subscription service, and you don't need to download a thing. OMGS also makes a fabulous gift, and your purchase supports more pleasure research. So just go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off right now. Again, that's omgs.com shameless to receive 10% off unlimited access towards enhancing your pleasure power. The link is in the episode's description. I was just thinking this and, and, and I don't know. And so I'm going to ask maybe, maybe, you know, Amy, so all of, because I no longer have a DVD player. And uh, so most folks are getting their porn online. And so can you get these things? Can you, and, and this brings me to an actual question as well, but where can we find these, these, I mean, very nostalgic and incredibly, they're incredibly helpful, still relevant, of course. Um, like some of the expert uh, guide DVDs that once were DVDs, I'm sure they've been converted. Yeah. So they, you can find them streaming. So yeah, there's digital versions of them. You know, I just want to do a PSA. Everyone should pay for their porn and not like, you know, troll the tube sites where my material has been pirated and used without permission of me or vivid. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So if you went to something like, I I don't have any affiliation, but like adult DVD empire and you searched my name, 
all of my videos would come up in digital form. In, in digital yeah. form, so you yeah. can stream them. Streaming. Okay, cool. And we still sell yeah. them at purepleasureshop.com, by the way. I don't know if we have all of them, but they're still there. And but so I, your book's like opening up and Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex, those are still on there too. But yeah, a lot of people don't have DVD. I don't, I don't have a DVD player. I, don't. I, I actually don't. I do, That's what I was just wondering. Because, you know, I for nostalgia. And, <laughs> and actually, it, it came in handy because Evil Angel, which did my first movie, they have released a brand new remastered edition of mm. my first movie okay. in honor of the publication of my book. Awesome. And so, yeah, so I'm in, you know, that that'll be promoted all over my social media. You'll see that. But it's pretty exciting because uh, the technology back then was a little rough. <laughs> I just remember thinking like, this is the font you chose. You, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's just so, something so minor, but so they digitally remastered it. It looks better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some lost footage. You know, when when we really moved to this um, format of of scenes, a lot of the scenes got chopped up, and and so some of the talking and things around the scenes got cut off. So we put all of that back in, and you can watch the entire movie now. And that's mm-hmm. on EvilAngel.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That thank you for that because it just occurred to me. I'm like, wait, where do I mm-hmm. find these pieces now that that I remember so so vividly? So that brings me to the question of obviously ethical porn. Paying for your porn is important, and you can get really like you can get ethical porn even membership to to sites mm-hmm. that offer this that 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 all of the actors are being paid, um, and you're contributing to something that isn't just pirated, which is is never cool. So, what is your top advice for folks who want to watch and buy ethical porn? You know, there are a lot of great sites, a, a lot of great sites, and you can you know you can do your research because the other thing is that anyone who's feminist or ethical will have like a mission statement on their website, right? So that's the first thing you do. You go to like if you go to a website, I'm not going to name one, but if you go to mainstream website, like they don't, they aren't like, Hey, here's our performers bill of rights. You know, they're just like, Hey, get in the bus. I'm going to bang you. <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. So I would say there's, there's three companies that I absolutely love and recommend all the time. Um, if you want sort of diverse sexuality, but definitely a lot of really good straight porn, high production values, super sexy. Erica Lust is your Mm -hmm. person, right? So you want to watch Erica Lust. And she has a whole empire and just amazing, amazing work. If you want something that's queer and authentic and lots of people with a lot of different gender expressions and lots of sex toys and tattoos, um, then you want Crash Pad. Mm -hmm. Crash Pad is done by Shine Louise Houston. Um, It's one of... uh, I think it's the longest running queer porn company in history uh, because it's been going on for so long and it's still, the content is super fresh and super hot. And then if you're into like a little bit of experimental, let's get indie, let's get a little weird. Then I say Aorta films, Aorta like your heart, Um, because they do some like offbeat, not typical, let's see like kind of where this is going. It's artistic. It's edgy. It's not quite like anything else. Mm-hmm. Nice. We've had yeah. Brie Mills on our show as well. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And, um, the, the uh, same kind of platform. I can't remember. Adult time. Adult time. Adult time. Yeah. 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 Brie Mills is also great. She's and there's a couple sort of documentary style um, films and series that she's done where like that focus around one performer. Those are especially really good. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've received emails from a number of people asking, how do I find, you know, ethical porn, um, which brings me to a similar question or like on the same note. And so I I believe one of your expert guides is to rough sex, right? Isn't there an Mm -hmm. expert guide rough sex? Okay. So what if I'm turned on by rough or objectifying porn or fantasies, or maybe I like it in real life too, but I feel shame about it when I watch it or think about it. Any advice for me? I'm like, I'm a bad person. Yeah. Well, I think the thing, first of all, I don't think we should censor our fantasies. Our fantasies live in our heads, right? And so if you want to have like an alien gangbang, obviously you can't make that come true in real life, but please party on with those aliens while you're masturbating. Tell the story to your partner of the alien gangbang. I mean, I don't, I really don't want people to censor their fantasies. These are thoughts that we have. They are not actions. So, and some of our fantasies we don't want to make happen, right? They just really turn us on. And they get us hot and they get us off. Um, but we don't want to make them happen. But I realize that like we live under patriarchy. We we live in a culture where women are second class citizens and are marginalized and are not paid the same amount and are harassed. And there's all these stereotypes about how we're supposed to look and how we're supposed to behave. And so the idea that you would want to experience rough sex, especially at the hands of someone who is a man or a masculine presenting, um, or that you would want to be like told what to do or dominated, of course, that's like a big hot button issue because we walk in the world, you know, as people who most of us have experienced some level of sexual coercion and violence, and that is real. So we have all these mixed feelings and all this ambivalence about our fantasies when we want to be dominated, objectified, even degraded. But the difference is when we're doing it with someone who is our partner, we've consented to it beforehand. We've negotiated it extensively. We've really set the limits. We've set the rules and our partner's going to follow them, hopefully, and in most cases. And because of that, because of the consent underlying it, you're you're running the show, right? You're only being objectified in the ways you want to be objectified. You're not being objectified like you're crossing the street and a bunch of men are catcalling you, right? Or that someone crosses the street to follow you and you feel like, Like that person's looking at me like I'm a piece of meat. But when someone is your lover and they look at you like you are a piece of meat and they might want to devour you, that's hot. (laughs) That's different and that's hot. So I think people have to realize like these are taboo issues that are happening in real life that we want to wrestle with sometimes in our sex lives. Mm -hmm. And just know that when there's consent, it's entirely different. This is not violence. This is not actual degradation. It's play. It's role play, right? And we all get to play in spaces that sometimes are dark, sometimes have a little danger, sometimes have a little edge to them. I mean, we like all of that with our sex, right? And so, and I'm someone, you know, who walks in the world as like a a badass bitch, right? And, And I really don't take shit from anyone. But when my lover wants me on my knees and wants to call me a fucking dirty slut. I'm here for it. And uh, (laughs) my entire body just lights the fuck up over that. (laughs) 
yeah, yeah, me so, you, too. so you can enjoy watching some, so because I think when it comes to the world of porn too you know if I were to watch the expert guide to ref sex and know that this is an ethical company director etc everyone is fully consenting right you know fully on board getting paid well versus like watching something on some of those websites that we won't name where we might not exactly know all of the behind the scenes yes things. yeah no I think it's important to know Everyone's being treated well. Everyone's consented to this. I include some negotiation stuff in my porn. It's not behind the scenes. It's actually part of the scene. And I feel like that can help people just like that give them permission to be like, okay, the the female performer, you know, designed this scene. She said exactly what she wants. She's picked her partner. And now that I know all of that, I can just dive right in with her with mm-hmm. no worries. Yeah, I love that. And when you pay for porn, you also can watch it again and again, right? I mean, it, you it, it belongs to you then, which yeah. you don't have if to. You down, if you download if it, you, download you can also it. pay to just stream it. Yeah, okay, or like a, or like a twenty-four hour rental or something. Okay, or okay. Like yeah. er- Erica Lust and um and Crashpad and some of the others have membership sites, right? right? So you can watch as much as you want. Yeah. That's what that's what I've I, I've known the most are the membership sites where you pay and then, um, however, when you're not paying for even if you pay for from some of the bigger sites, you're not necessarily going to give that your money to that to the people that are making the porn ethical mm-hmm. and to the actors. It's probably going to the site that's hosting these yeah. pirated films. Yeah, for the tube sites and the pirated ones, absolutely. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. lining the pockets of, well, in some cases, organized crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, totally. And, and yeah, people who really could care less about working conditions, about mm-hmm. performers' rights, or about any, yeah, I mean, there's no, their model is to make money. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, cla- the classic uh, capitalistic views of that most people hold. And I think it's I mean, time that- I, I want people to pay for porn because again, yeah. then that means you'll get more porn. I yeah. think that there is a, an entire generation who grew up thinking, oh, porn, it's free. And I said, you know, I say to these college students, especially like you, you have to pay for your porn. Otherwise there's going to be no more porn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And where, like what? I mean, I know like where, but like it's so, so weird that people think, it should be free. Really? Like what, what on there, what on this planet is really that free? That is like someone's putting time and energy into creating. That's legal. That's like legal. Like remember Napster? It was like, oh, you can, you can. And music now people's music. Shut down. I always yeah. felt yeah. so bad. I was like, yeah. I don't feel comfortable. And now we're this. out of that one, but like, let's get out of yeah, the porn one, everyone. Porn yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's terrible. And yeah. Anyway, I like this conversation. This is really great because we we do talk about this often on the show about how important it is to pay for your porn mm-hmm. and, and 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 also your educational videos when you're learning the instruction. So um, I'm, I'm happy that we're revisiting that topic. And I want to get on to a, a bit of a sexier topic right now. Not that porn isn't sexy. Um, and also that fantasies are sexy. But I like this question that you're going to ask. I know. This is a good one. So, okay. We have to ask you this. How did you become known as the butt girl? <laughs> or is it just butt girl? Or is it just butt girl? Or is it the butt girl? It's, I mean, it's butt girl. It's like the queen of anal. It's not, not to, I'm not competing with uh, a porn, like porn performers who are like really the queen of anal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, when I wrote my book, people definitely said to me, you know, Tristan, if you write this book, you're going to get pigeonholed as like the girl who wrote the book on anal sex. And truthfully, that's really worked out for me because, you know, when people are writing an article or talking about anal sex or referencing anal sex, whether it's in Cosmo or it's in like a dissertation, guess what? They have to reference me. Uh-huh. <laughs> girl. So, 
that kind of worked out for me. Um, and I think I was just an early adopter. You know, when, when you think back to 1998, I mean, people were not now it's so, it's like so casual, right? It's like men's health, all the ways you can fuck each other in the ass. Here's a list, right? It's super, super cash, but it was not like that in the nineties people. It was not. So I, I was an early adopter and then I just became known as kind of like the resource for anal. And I remain that, you know, people are, people always ask me, do you, are you sick of teaching? Like, you know, my anal 101 class is called anal sex for everybody. And I say, no, because there's someone who is just discovering anal or they are just starting to think about it. Like, Ooh, this may happen. Or they just talk to their partner about it, or they've been fantasizing about it. There's someone like that everywhere, right? There's, there's many someone's. And so I want to be there to like give them the sex positive, you know, introduction that that centers consent and it centers really safe and pleasurable um, sex. And so when I get tired of it, I guess I'll stop teaching it. But that hasn't happened. Yeah. People ask us, are you ever, are you ever going to run out of topics? Like, no, it's <laughs> sex and relationships. That's yes. it's endless. And, and it's, we can have yeah, the same right. speaker come on our show and speak on all these different topics or have one topic that all these different speakers can speak on because so many different perspectives. We're constantly learning. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just endless. And I love that about sex. And there still is stigma around anal, even to this day. Sometimes Absolutely. even at Absolutely. sex toy trade shows. I've been in Europe at sex toy trade shows showing a vibrating butt plug. And I was like, this is good for anal sex. And they were like, oh, uh, and then it was like, like hot face. It's like, yeah, I was like, oh, did I embarrass you? Like, French is really bad, but <laughs> do you want anal? Uh, yeah. This is great. Yeah, this is great for that. I don't know how to say anal in French. I know. I'm did, learning. did anyone make a, ever make a little logo of you with like a cape as butt girl? Oh, uh, no. Someone <laughs> once made a drawing of me with a cape when I was adventure girl for on our backs. OK, so there is. Yeah. So I've had a cape. Um so to speak, uh, <laughs> but I've never had like a cape for um for anal sex. Someone's got to get on. She that. was also just thinking about before that what anal is in, in French. You were like, oh, do you know? It's it's anal. That's exactly what I said. Perfect. Yeah. So I did tell anal. them correctly. Yeah. Well, just, like, just, my, yeah. my book has also been translated into French. The, oh, the awesome. anal sex book, so it's <laughs> like you know, and it's like plaisir de anal. Yes, <laughs> universal orifice, everyone. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you have. Uh, so that's, I mean, obviously that, that book with the ultimate guide to anal sex. Also, you have so many books. Uh, and so we can, so, um, yeah, I was like, can we, you can list all of them if you like, or also go to your website, which we'll share too. But, uh, opening up also was something that, um, was really life-changing for, for me and a lot of people that we've worked with. It's a, it's a really powerful book on, uh, non-monogamy, uh, and, uh, also the ultimate guide to kink. Uh, so anyways, um, erotica, um, so can you just tell us more about the content that you created so that people have an idea of all the different avenues? Yeah, or how many books? They can learn? How many books do you have? I, I, okay. Yeah. 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 So um, <laughs> I have edited 25 collections. So like, for example, The Ultimate Guide to Kink is a collection of a lot of different uh, educators all writing on specific subjects. So everyone wrote one chapter and I edited the feminist porn book. Um, I'm a co-editor on that. So that's all about if you want to learn more about feminist porn, get that book. Um, and then I've written nine books. So together I have 34 books. Wow. That's amazing. My gosh, my heart start. I, I start like getting goosebumps because the one that we did, we're was, like, we're good at that oh, one. Yeah, I was like, uh, <laughs> I will like, do a memoir someday, but that okay. will be like in twenty I'll years. Be so, yeah. Never, because you never know, right? Yeah. And right. So, you know, and 
Yeah. Right. And I think as time passes, I might forget oh. about all the stress. But also, there might so be impressive. shameless sex part two. Yes, I know. <laughs> like, you know, because we love a sequel. Yeah. yeah. Yes. We love a sequel. We'll, make, I, we'll do it. We'll do that in porn. Like, that'll actually be like an erotic video, maybe. <laughs> okay. Great. Great. Yeah. That is incredible. Tristan. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank it's you. amazing. No wonder you have a memoir. You have so many accolades and so much that you've created and share with the world. And um, yeah, I just. What's I, your yeah. favorite, though? Can I ask? Yeah. Or is that a bad question? No, I mean, like your children, right? It's like, oh, no, I don't have a favorite. But this memoir is really, really, really personal. And I, I, you know, it was a deep dive. It was a deep dive. And it's very emotional. In it, I share a lot of things that I've never shared before publicly. So it's very intimate to me. It's like my most intimate book, even though I've written a ton about my own sex life, which people would think, oh, that seems very vulnerable and raw. And this was way harder than that. Um, And there's also plenty of sex. Don't worry. So yeah, this memoir feels like a huge accomplishment. It was the hardest to write and, and it's my life, right? So it's like putting myself out there in a way, you know, if if someone wants to critique my book on the G-spot, they could be like, what are these positions? She doesn't know anything about the G spot, right? Mm. Great. That's a bad review. If someone gives me a bad review for my memoir, it's like, who's this bitch? And why <laughs> does she even think we care? <laughs> oh, so yeah. it's it's way more personal. And it's yeah, it's the biggest thing that I've done to date for sure. Wow. Well, thank you yeah. for thank you for creating this and sharing yourself with with all of us because you are, as we said many times throughout this interview, you are someone we've looked up to and you've really, you really are a pioneer and you listed all these incredible humans that have shaped the world before you were able to, right? Maybe you were too young, mm-hmm. uh, but you really have helped Amy and I, you know, as well as humans in this field. So thank you. And thank you for sharing. I cannot wait to read it. I too get tired of the digital, the digital PDF version. So having it, being able to take it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, is, I'm is the same great, way. So. I mean, I just like a physical book. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also we're on the screen too much. So it's right. like now we need a break. read on the screen too. Right. And we know that when you go to sleep, it's better to not look at screens, look at your book. It'll right. help you get better Absolutely. sleep, everyone. Absolutely. So get the hardcover. It's a hardcover, right? Or is it paperback? Hardcover. And yeah. as you said, there's there's 45 really personal photographs, some of which have never been seen before. So it, it's beautiful. I mean, Duke University Press, which is who published it, did a gorgeous job on it. Mm, love that. Uh, is incredible. I love the cover. And if you're not checking us out on YouTube, check us out because Tristan's book is in her uh, backdrop and it's actually quite, it's it's beautiful, <laughs> eye-catching. And we're so grateful that you took the time out of your busy schedule to chat with our listeners and to, to hang with Amy and I. So where can people buy your books? Most all of them. If they, I don't know if they're all in the same yeah. places. Um, and also if you're working with folks out there, how can they find you and, and work with you? Yeah. So um, they can find my books wherever books are, right? So there's that big giant behemoth of a website, but also bookshop.org is a way that you can support independent bookstores. And um, my book is also available on audio. You know, we just talked about all the different ways you can read it. So it's it's ebook, it's hardcover, it's ebook, and it's audio. And I narrate the audio book. I'm really proud of how it came out. Audible did an amazing job. So you can get that at Audible. Um, and, you know, your local bookstore, like I I really encourage people to ask your local bookstore to order it, ask your local library to order it, mm-hmm. right? You don't even need to buy it. You can go into your local library and say, hey, will you order this? 
And, and then for me, I'm, my website is tristanterramino.com. Just, you know, kind of start spelling it and it'll, it'll come up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I have a hard name to spell. The phonetics of it. I, I've, I've, yeah, I just I've said it wrong. Ter- I say tar- Tristan Tormino. It's Taromino. Well, it's yeah. Taromino, but Tormino is way closer than okay. a lot of people get. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A lot of people. And, and then I'm on social media at Tristan Taramino. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. So I do my own Instagram and that's a mix of like personal and professional. So that's also, you can email me from my website or you can email me, like DM me through Instagram. I, I actually, you know, check my DMs and Ooh. try to answer them and nice. <laughs> all that. Um, yeah. And that'll be, a, you know, a place too where people can find out what I'm doing because I'm traveling a lot with the book right now. And at most cities where I'm doing a book reading, I'm also doing a workshop, right? Um, and so I'm I'm able to come back home. Essentially, I consider it home. These sex positive sex shops around the country, like um, like Babeland, Early to Bed. I was just at Lotus Blooms in in Virginia. Um and I teach all sorts of things besides anal. I teach the G spot, fantasy role play, kinky mommy play, BDSM. Um, so you can catch me in person, which is new and different since COVID hit us. So you know, it's the first time I've been out on the road in in like five years, really. So if you want to see me in person too, so people find can out. find that if they go to your website where you're going to be. They go to my website. Oh, There's like a whole event calendar. So you just click on events and you'll see my whole calendar, which is public. Perfect. Yeah. And the name of the memoir is A Part of the Heart Can't Be Eaten and or Eaten. What do you say? I e- say e- Eaten, but eaten? I just have a weird thing with teas. So. I know. Eaten. Eaten. Like eaten. Bitten. A part eaten. of the heart can't be eaten. I think I say eaten. Okay, eaten. cool. Chris, I mean, uh, Amy, I, I, I say kit, kitten instead of kitten. It's, kitten. It's very interesting. It's, it's, teas are really weird for me. No, we, we did our audiobook too. And I was like, oh God, please don't have any kittens. In there, there. Were, there weren't. <laughs> They're just more pussies, right? Yeah. It's like, right. Yeah, no, no, right. no kittens. No kittens. No teas. No teas. Yeah. No. Uh, well, I'm excited. We'll have all these links on our website at shamelesssex.com in case you're driving or, uh, you know, you can't uh, uh, link all this right now uh, in your brain. Uh, you can always come back and visit shamelesssex.com and find Tristan's work. There's so much of it, obviously. You're so impressed. And it's been an honor to talk with you for this for this time. Thank you. And maybe our book tours were overlap and we can like grab a coffee and just like hang out for a while because it would be wonderful to see you in person again. Mm-hmm. Are um, you coming to LA? We will be. Yep. January. January yeah. We'll have all our put book dates listed on our website at some someday point. Someday soon. Someday soon. We're working because, on that. I, you know, I'm a fan of yours oh, and your you. podcast is amazing. <laughs> and so I can't wait to read this book. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that books all so around, everyone. Hardcovers, and though. And book. if you get the audio in your audio version, still get the hardcover because it really supports the, yeah. you know, the, I mean, the audio supports everyone too, the creators of it, because you did your own audio book. But, you know, get it all. Give it as a gift. Who knows? Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's definitely not. a book to buy two of. I mean, yeah. some. Someone's going to quote, borrow it from you and never, never give it back. Yes. I know. Oh, yeah. You know who you are. Yeah. We're <laughs> talking to you. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, I love this. I love this so much. The time went too fast. I'm like, we should do a two hour kind of like Joe Rogan style, but it would be cool. We're going to see you in person. We'll let you know when we're in L.A. Okay. 
Uh, to all of our Shameless Sex listeners, definitely check out tr- all of Tristan's work. And again, also on socials to see where she is. And we love you. We love you so much. Remember, support your local porn stars, support your local, local authors. Porn- <laughs> you don't have to be local, but you know, support the ethical ones. And um, <laughs> it just helps more people have more shameless sex in the world. That's what Tristan's been doing since the 90s. And we're, we're so appreciative of her work. And because you're listening, we know that you care about making the world a better place. So buy this content, buy the books, and this podcast is free because we love you. So I'm going to sign off for now. I'm sad. I guess Amy has to sign off too. Uh, But we'll see you next Tuesday, y'all. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.